You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So we're going to keep moving right along here, this time looking at the ever-important offensive line. As a very brief recap, quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, the worst in the group, Mitch Trubisky, and then kind of tied in the middle are the other two Whatever their names are, nobody cares. Wide receivers, I think it's Packers-Vikings. Then the middle group would be the Lions. And then the, I don't know, I, I guess the Bears are kind of a middle group. I just think they're lower. It's not bad. I'm not trying to say they're bad. Just lower. Running backs, I believe it is Packers and Lions. After that, I would have the Bears, although I have no idea where they're going to end up because I believe David Montgomery is going to be the top guy. I could be wrong. I just think that would be the smart thing to do. And then after that, I have the Vikings, which maybe has more to do with a bad situation than a bad running back, but you're looking at a guy that has not been productive, has been injured, doesn't have a good offensive line, and doesn't have really anybody else to help him. So, least favorite running back group. But as I said, today is offensive line. But before we get there, be sure to check out the link in the description. That's going to take you to all the other links. If you'd like some of the sweet, sweet merchandise, be sure to head over there. Get into the Facebook group, and otherwise, if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star review, it would really help grow the channel, the podcast. Whatever this thing is that I do, I would like more people to know about it and listen to it, because that'd be cool. Otherwise, why don't we take our first break, and uh, we'll start talking about the offensive line. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I think for starters, what I'm going to do is just kind of 
We'll start with the grades. Well, let's do it this way. Because there's so many, let's just kind of a, do a get-to-know-you kind of a thing, and I'll kind of give a rough overview of what we're looking at. Um, it's also going to be tough because I don't exactly know, you know, all the battles that are going on. Even for the Packers, I don't know exactly who's going to be starting. But I'm going to run with Bakhtiari, Taylor, Lindsley, Turner, Balaga. I've said pretty clearly that I would expect Eldon Jenkins to start. Now, that's pr- assuming he's going to be any good. He might just not be very good, and then he's not going to start. But I think the Packers intend for their second-round pick to start. That is my assumption. Whether or not he's going to actually win a job, I don't know. And I think the harder part here is the fact that you could say the same thing about Turner, but given the money they paid him, I don't know. It should just be best man wins. That would be my preference. And if you overpaid a guy, whatever, let him sit on the bench. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, unless he's just hot garbage. I'm just saying if he's slightly worse, he's probably just going to play. But that's what I'm going to run with. And it's also best because these are guys we know. I can't do anything with Elton Jenkins. I can't do anything with Cole Madison because these guys didn't play. So it kind of works the best that way. For the Detroit Lions, what I'm going to run with is Taylor Decker at left tackle, Frank Ragnow at left guard, uh, Glasgow at center, Wiggins at right guard, and Wagner at right tackle. It's kind of funny. Yeah, Wagner and Wiggins on the right side, uh, Glasgow and Ragnow in the middle. Right, guys? I thought it was funny. Not like ha-ha funny, but more like interesting funny. Get out. All right, just just get out of my house. If you're just going to make fun of me, just leave. But general overview, and I've said this before, I see this as very similar to the Packers offensive line in terms of talent, but the Packers are just at a higher level. So they've got pretty solid along left tackle, center, and right tackle. That's the same thing the Packers have. But, you know, Decker is not Bakhtiari. You could maybe say Wagner is on the same plane as Balaga, but I do believe Balaga is better. And then Corey Lindsley is better than Glasgow. also think Lane Taylor is better than Ragnow, and I believe that Billy Turner is going to be better than Wiggins. But still, same formula to a lesser degree. For the Bears, and again, um, any, any, any NFC North fans, not Packer fans, that would like to correct me, feel free. But we're going with, uh, from left tackle to right tackle, Leno, Daniels, white hair, long, and Massey. Pretty sure that's the order. Um, the Bears and the Lions offensive line look almost identical. Leno um, and Decker are pretty similar. Leno might be a little bit better. Uh, Ragnow and Daniels, same. White hair and Glasgow, same. Long and uh, Wiggins, the same. Wagner and Massey, the same. Bears, I would give a very slight edge to. I don't think the Bears have a bad offensive lineman like uh, the Lions have with Wiggins. But again, I mean, that this just seems to be the thing, man. I don't know if, if guards are just hard to find or if teams just don't care or what, but tackles and centers, that's just where the money's at, I guess. Then we got the Vikings. And to be fair, they actually could be in that exact same line. We know Riley Reef is decent, and he's, he's basically in the same category as the Bears and Lions left tackle, just about the same amount of talent level pass blocking, run blocking, we'll get into the specifics later, but about the same, and then Bakhtiari stands by himself. Elfline at left guard, I mean, he's been really, really bad. Or I, I should say he was bad last year. He was drafted really high. There's the potential there, so he could get better, and the competition level at left guard across the entire NFC North, not super great, so he could get up to snuff. Garrett Bradbury was their first-round pick, so him you know, being a solid center, I would guess not, just because interior offensive linemen have been pretty garbage. The track record has been horrible, and the Vikings track record has also been horrible with offensive line. But, you know, for the sake of argument, maybe he could get up to kind of being somewhat decent. Josh Klein at right guard, not very good, but 
I think right guard is is clearly the least valuable position because if anybody's struggling, that's where it is. I mean, you know, for the Vikings, Elfline's worse, but I think they value him higher, so he's over at left guard. I think Long is arguably the worst offensive lineman for the Bears. I think Wiggins is definitely the worst offensive lineman for the Lions. And, um, you know, as far as PFF grade, Turner is worse than Taylor, although I would guess that Turner is probably going to be better than Taylor is, and he obviously is paid a lot more. So, But still, it's it's in line to have a guy of that talent level sitting there. And then O'Neal, worst right tackle in the NFC North, but it's his second year. He could grow. So it's the Vikings are in a situation where, best case scenario, they're right where the you know the Bears are. They're not going to be the Packers because they don't have David Bakhtiari, right? Even if O'Neal ends up being the best right tackle, who cares? He's going to be good. All three other teams have decent right tackles, so what? Nobody cares. Klein is not going to be a freak at right guard, so he's just going to be what he is. Again, if Bradbury is good, so what? Everybody else has good centers. Elfline, you know. So, anyways, the, the Vikings are in a tough spot. So I'm going to keep it together as far as tackles, guards, and centers. I'm going to uh, look, first of all, as before, starting with PFF grades. And I'm um, going to do, first of all, overall offense. So first of all, first of all. So there's there's only two categories, pass blocking and run blocking, and then there's sort of the overall grade. So clearly, of all offensive linemen, not just tackles, David Bakhtiari is a freak. He is, you know, as far as his PFF grade, borderline elite. And then there's a massive drop-off. And, and, and here's the thing. It, it, I really don't like this because I wanted to, to be able to come on here and be like, well, see, I'm not a homer because the Packers are the worst in this category. The Packers' offensive line is better than any other offensive line. That's just really not debatable. It's just not, in my opinion. I mean, we can play the if, maybe, kind of, sort of, could be game, but the Bears and the Lions haven't done anything to improve. In fact, the Lions have probably gotten worse losing TJ Lang. The Vikings have done a thing to get better, but a center is not going to make them better than the Packers. The Packers have actually tried to improve the offensive line, and as of last year, we're already the best offensive line. For anybody that wants to argue, and, and you know, again, you don't like PFF, then just skip ahead. But as far as overall offensive grade for offensive linemen, three of the top four are Packers. Number one is David Bakhtiari, number three is Brian Balaga, number four is Corey Lindsley. That's it. Now, there's a pretty big drop until you get to some other Packers, but that's it. And then when you factor in the, the most important, by a mile, the most important position being a left tackle, the fact that David Bakhtiari is an elite left tackle, and the next best player of all offensive linemen in the NFC North is Charles Leno at, at you know, 75.4. So we go from 88.3 to 75.4, and from there it just slowly trickles down. So elite is David Bakhtiari. Offensive linemen that were given grades of good, Charles Leno, the Bears left tackle, Brian Balaga, the Packers right tackle, Packers center, Corey Lindsley, Vikings left tackle, Riley Reef, number five. After that is Joe Dahl, who's not even going to be playing. After that, you have TJ Lang, who's also not playing. And then you get Rick Wagner, the left tackle for the Detroit Lions. So all the teams have pretty decent left tackles. Three of them are beatable. One of them is not. Uh, continuing on, Cody Whitehair, the Bears center, is uh, ninth. Actually, there's a three-way tie. Cody Whitehair, Taylor Decker the right tackle of the Lions, and Bobby Massey, the right tackle for the Bears. They're all in the good category. Average now, you got Graham Glasgow, uh, center for the Lions. Uh, Lane Taylor, who is the left guard for the Packers. Kyle Long, right guard for the Bears. Brian O'Neill, right tackle for the Vikings. 
James Daniels, left guard, I believe, for the Chicago Bears, and then Frank Ragnow, who is the left guard for the Detroit Lions. I'm sorry, and I forgot Billy Turner. I was trying to go down the list, but I forgot Billy Turner's a new addition. Uh, the one, I, I guess I would separate it this way, the one below average offensive lineman is uh, Mr. Kenny Wiggins, right guard for the Detroit Lions. The one bad offensive lineman would be Pat Elfline. Um, I know Vikings fans want to pipe up every time I say that. It is what it is. He was, I mean, 41.9 was his number, 60s average. The only other guy, like I said, that's under 60 is Kenny Wiggins, who is 54. It, I mean, it's, it's a massive drop-off. And pro football focus would have to, have to be wildly off. And I know that's what everybody loves to say is offensive line. They don't know what they're t- Come on, man. It, it, it's, it's not that different to great offensive line than anything else. Well, you have to know exactly what they were trying to do. Not really. You could say that about anything. You could say that about quarterbacks as well. Do you know what his progression was for wide receivers? Do you know what his route was supposed to be? Of course not. But if a guy gets knocked straight back on his head, which leads to a sack, I'm pretty sure I can write down that he had a bad little deal there. I mean, you can watch an offensive lineman go up against a defensive lineman and see whether they're winning or losing. You want to play little games where it's like, oh, I don't care about that because PFF is dumb and they don't know what they're talking about. He's great. He's amazing. Dude, he just lost over and over and over again. That's how you get a grade like that. He just kept losing to everybody. Unless you believe that was the play design and PFF is dumb and it was designed for him to get bowled over constantly, I don't think you really want to run down that road too often. Um, I'm actually going to skip over to run blocking now, only because it's much less important, and I'm going to basically just kind of do categories. Not one offensive lineman was graded as good. Not one. It's just not a skill that is seen as as very, I don't know, nobody cares, I guess. The highest grade of anybody was Tyrell Crosby for Detroit, 69.4. He's not even playing. Uh, Charles Leno for the Chicago Bears was the top dog here followed by Riley Reef, followed by David Bakhtiari. So the left tackles are coming in strong there. All three of them have almost identical grades, 68-3, 68-3, 68-1. Taylor Decker, on the other hand, was um, 26th out of 33. Maybe I'll just go down. The, that'll be easier for me to keep it in order. So we'll go to left guards. Scratch that. We'll do it by position. Tackles. So tackles in order, run blocking, Charles Leno, Riley Reef, David Bakhtiari. Uh, then we got a drop-off for uh, Rick Wagner. He was exactly average. Um, below average, Brian Balaga, then Brian O'Neill, then Bobby Massey, then Taylor Decker. It's kind of surprising that the left tackles are better run blockers, but I guess they're just better tackles in general. I mean, ideally, you want your right tackles to be, well, I don't know, who cares? Nobody nobody cares. That's the point. That's the moral of the story. Uh, run blocking for guards, even more shocking. They're even worse than the tackles. Uh, the best, there's only three that are above average. Frank Ragnow, Tom Compton and T.J. Lang, and T.J. Lang is gone. So Detroit had two, now they have one. Bottom line is everybody else is just not very good. The only one that would be like in the really bad category that's actually playing is Kenny Wiggins. Not surprisingly, surprisingly, Byron Bell was dead last. Fortunately, we don't have to worry about that this year. Yes, that actually does include Billy Turner also. I almost forgot about it, but looking at him, he's no different. He is slightly worse than Lane Taylor and Justin McRae in run blocking. Little heads up for those that don't know, PFF says Billy Turner's not very good. Just a little heads up. I looked at that pretty in-depth. If you're interested and haven't heard that before, uh, go back and try to find it. I'm sure the title will kind of allude to that. Uh, As far as the centers, they're all almost exactly even. Uh, Graham Glasgow, Cody Whitehair, Corey Lindsley, all of them are average, 66, 65, 64, uh, in the order that I read them. Vikings, we don't know. Finally, as we move on to the most important category, um... 
David Bakhtiari was given an elite grade, 93.6, absolutely incredible. Next on the list, TJ Lang. Again, he's gone. Sorry, Lions fans. Thank you, TJ. Then would be Mr. Corey Lindsley. By the way, we're in the very good category. Then Kyle Long with the Chicago Bears at right guard. Brian Balaga, most underrated Packer, um, probably on the whole team. And then Taylor Decker, the Detroit Lions left tackle. Good pass blockers, Eric Cush, don't care. Charles Leno, Bobby Massey, Cody Whitehair, here's all the Bears. Uh, Rick Wagner for Detroit, uh, Graham Glasgow for Detroit, Jason Spriggs, doesn't matter. Maybe it does, I don't know. And Riley Reef. Everybody else, with the exception of Frank Ragnow and Pat Elfline, who were given terrible pass blocking grades, were graded out as average. Pat Elfline, by the way, was dead last. Which again is why I've had some pushback on Pat Elfline, and it's like, look, I didn't watch him all year, but it's hard to believe that his being being dead last as a pass blocker is so incredibly wrong that it turns out he was actually pretty good. So I want to turn a little bit to some statistics. Um, I'll start with sacks because that always gets the most attention, but I want to quick quickly turn to pressures because I think one of the things we've learned over the last year, one of the things I've learned and have heard coaches say incessantly, is the importance of pressures overall. So sacks are the big flashy thing, but um, disrupting the quarterback is extremely important, and the offensive lineman's job of stopping somebody from messing with the quarterback, messing up your play, whether it ends in a sack or just a scramble, throwaway, whatever, pressures are very important, and so is not allowing them. So in terms of sacks allowed, and there's no percentages, you know, I could go in and do it, but that's a little bit too time-consuming. So just understand that there's different numbers of plays for different players, but uh, the most sacks given up were tied between Rick Wagner and Lane Taylor. Both of them gave up eight sacks on the season. Lane Taylor, by the way, playing about 100 less snaps than Rick Wagner. So that's not great. Um, Seven sacks were given up by Tom Compton and Mike Remmers, both guards for the Minnesota Vikings, both gone. Uh, Five sacks were given up by Charles Leno and Brian Balaga. Four sacks given up by Frank Ragnow, Pat Elfline, Corey Lindsley, Kenny Wiggins, and David Bakhtiari. Only three sacks allowed from Riley Reef, Taylor Decker, and William Turner, Billy Turner. Only two sacks given up by Kyle Long. One sack given up by Graham Glasgow and Bobby Massey. It's pretty incredible, actually. And not one single sack was given up by Cody Whitehair, Brian O'Neill, James Daniels. Taking a look at pressures now, uh, Riley Reef and Mike Remmers both gave up the most. Uh, Remmers is gone, but for Riley Reef, that's not a great thing for the Minnesota Vikings. Again, he only gave up three sacks, which is great, but 42 total pressures is somewhat of a lot. The next highest is the Lions left tackle, Taylor Decker, gave up 37 total pressures. Again, only three sacks, which is a great number, but giving up lots and lots of hurries. He ended up giving up 30 hurries. Uh, Riley Reef gave up 30 th- 33 for context. David Bakhtiari um, had less pressures than those guys had just hurries. Uh, Frank Ragnall, 36. Lane Taylor, 36. Uh, Rick Wagner, 36. Elfline, 33. Leno, 32. O'Neill, 31. Wiggins, 26. Bakhtiari, only 25. Massey, 25. Balaga, 22. Again, no love for Balaga. Less pressures than David Bakhtiari. More sacks, but less pressures. Graham Glasgow, 21. James Daniels, 20. Corey Lindsley, 18. Fantastic number. Cody Whitehair, only 11 pressures. He had 1,075 total snaps. 
That's crazy. That's the exact same number almost as uh, Corey Lindsley. Kyle Long, he did have a smaller sample size, only about 500. Um, so if you kind of extrapolate that out a little bit, uh, he only had 10 pressures, but I suppose if you double it, it would be closer to 20. Still a pretty decent number. But I think the, the all-star of the group has got to be Cody Whitehair. I think it's a little easier on the interior than the exterior, but still, you got to give him some respect, especially as defensive lines are trying to get more interior pressure to play over 1,000 snaps, only allow 11 pressures. All 11, by the way, were hurries. Not one hit, not one sack. That's ridiculous. I don't care what the guy's grade is. That guy's kind of a freak. Um, another way to kind of look at all this, and I think it's probably a pretty good way to do it, is looking at the pressures on a per-snap basis and then weighting them a little heavier when it's a sack as opposed to a hurry. That's what PFF calls pass-blocking efficiency. So not surprisingly, Mr. Cody Whitehair was at the top. Actually, Eric Cush was, but we're going to say Cody Whitehair. 99.1. Next highest being Mr. Corey Lindsley, then Graham Glasgow. Notice I don't know how to say these. <laughs> Ragnow and Glasgow. It just, I, I hate saying their name. It sounds weird. Glasgow? It's probably Glasgow, but it's G-O-W. I don't know how to not say Gao. Anyways, then Kyle Long. And because I don't really know, like, okay, he got a 96.5. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm just going to go in order so you know what it is. Then David Bakhtiari, Bobby Massey, James Daniels, Brian Balaga, Brian O'Neill, Frank Ragnow, Taylor Decker, Charles Leno, Kenny Wiggins, uh, skipping, skipping, Pat Elfline, um, Lane Taylor, Rick Wagner, uh, Riley Reef being actually at the bottom. Riley Reef only played 512 snaps, three sacks, six hits, 33 hurries. So that's not great, especially when I'm, I'm sitting here saying he's the only light on that entire offensive line, and he is legitimately the worst pass blocker in the NFC North. I mean, Byron Bell and Rashad Hill graded out worse, but neither of them will be starting. So that's not great. And then we finally have offensive line pass blocking efficiency. So this essentially is which offensive line has the best pass blockers. So as a group, on a per-snap basis, and really there's three tiers. Top tier is the Chicago Bears. Kind of shocked as I'm saying it out loud, but I'm just going to say it because that's the case. As a team, on 585 snaps, because they don't throw the ball very much, 11 sacks, 14 hits, 92 hurries, 117 pressures. The next lowest was the Lions at 165, just to give you some context. Um, the second tier is the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions. Packers gave up 30 sacks, which is ridiculous. It's 729 snaps, uh, passing snaps or whatever, which is way higher than everybody else. But still, 30 sacks is horrific. And obviously this has a lot to do with the interior, right? Byron Bell, the guy that I never mentioned, because he's not starting, he was our offensive lineman. He was our guard. And by the way... For anybody listening who's saying, oh, see, so the Bears are better. Uh, I'm talking about this year. Those issues, the Byron Bell issues, rectified. Uh, Spriggs started a good amount. Spriggs, Bell, and McCray were all over the offensive line. But 30 sacks, 19 hits, and 130 hurries for a total of 179 pressures. Third worst in the NFC North. Detroit Lions would be next, very close behind the Packers. 21 sacks, 25 hits, 119 hurries, 165 total pressures. Dead last would be the Minnesota Vikings, 28 sacks, only two behind the Packers. And that, by the way, came with only 666 uh, snaps. Remember, the Packers had 30 sacks on 729 passing reps. The Vikings had 28 on 666. Vikings would have 666 snaps. Uh, they allowed 32 hits, which is 
more than anybody else by quite a bit. The Detroit Lions had 25. And then 166 hurries. The next highest was the Packers with 130. So in order, the pressures are Chicago Bears gave up 117. Detroit gave up 165. Packers gave up 179. Vikings 226. That sucks. <laughs> that's that's bad. But no, I, I, I got to give it to the Bears because as I look at it, you know, it's the grades are what the grades are. But as, as a pass blocking group, especially some of these guys, you know, Kyle Long, uh, the interior, I think, especially. Uh, Leno's pretty solid in certain categories, but, you know, Whitehair just giving up no sacks and hardly any pressures whatsoever is just ridiculous. I mean, I, I know there's certain circumstances that could maybe account for that, but not to that degree. That's just a very good offensive lineman. That's crazy. Uh, by the way, since he's the new addition, uh, I mentioned Billy Turner gave up three sacks. He gave up one hit, 23 hurries, 27 total pressures is actually very similar to where David Bakhtiari is. Bakhtiari was 4-3 and 18. 25 total. So anyways, here's sort of the summary. I was going to say Packers, Space, Bears, and Lions, Space, Vikings. Almost exact same as the running backs. But in light of the new information, I I still think the most talent is with the Green... I mean, if I had to pick an offensive line, it would be the Packers. I think Balaga is arguably the best right tackle. Bakhtiari, without a question, is the best left tackle. Interior, eh. You know, I, I suppose we can give that to the Bears, but Corey Lindsley's pretty solid. Just got to figure out the guard situation. However, in terms of production, the Bears, as far as pass blocking, were top dog. So I'm going to say Bears-Packers, which is hilarious because it's like everybody just takes turns hanging out with the Packers on top. Then it's the Lions, then it's the Vikings. Here's the problem, though. For all the Bears fans that are listening who are, you know, kind of getting all excited about it and maybe even want to be in your own tier, I don't really care, get your own podcast, you can put them in whatever tier you want. The Bears having a very, very good pass-blocking offensive line only makes my case for Trubisky even stronger. Everything I said that is true about him not being that great is even more true now that we see that he has one of the better pass-blocking offensive lines in the NFC North for sure. Let's take a gander where they rank overall because it's pretty crazy. Number two, the only team in the entirety of the NFL that was better was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chicago Bears had the second most effective pass blocking unit in the entirety of the NFL. Packers graded out at 13th. Again, that's largely due to the fact that the guards were garbage. That includes Lane Taylor, who had the most uh, sacks given up of anybody. Detroit comes in at 16th, and the Minnesota Vikings, where are they at? Down here at 29th. The Chargers, the Texans, and the Arizona Cardinals were worse. And the Arizona Cardinals were a lot worse. So here's what I think I'm going to do. We're going to leave it at that. We're going to take a little break, and then we're going to do tight ends to finish off the offense before we move on to the defense. Kind of talked about it briefly, but let's just hit it head on, because there's a bunch of new tight ends in the NFC North. Um, I think this is also a good opportunity to not put the Packers in the top tier for once, so I can at least say I did that for some positions, and then uh, we'll be done. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right, so once again, just kind of getting to know where everybody's at. The Minnesota Vikings have longtime tight end Kyle Rudolph. I've kind of made my stance known on him. I feel like Kyle Rudolph, in my mind, is the guy that every year should have been something but never was, although very similar to Jermichael Finley, he gets a lot of credit for being very good. I don't know that he ever reached his potential, but either way, I think he's kind of at a point where everyone's kind of recognizing that it's a downward swing and we're all kind of on the same page now. 
Fortunately for the Minnesota Vikings, they gone out. They they have gone out and gotten the Kyle Rudolph replacement in Irv Smith Jr. Big, strong, talented uh, tight end out of Alabama. As for the Chicago Bears, they've got. Uh, I guess what I would call, again, could be wrong, a duo between Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen. Maybe nobody really cares about Adam Shaheen anymore, but I'm going to go ahead and throw him in the group. Uh, the Bears did go out and get Trey Burton. I know there was a lot of hype about Trey. I kind of put Trey Trey Burton in the Allen Robinson category. That is, big name, he's done some good things. Bears got him. Bears fans feel like they got an all-star. Even some Packer fans are like, oh man, he's pretty good. But I just think he's just kind of okay. He's okay. He's I mean he's he's a talented guy. He's definitely somebody you got to scheme against, but he's he's not Kelsey or or Ertz or whatever. He's just kind of a guy. As for Shaheen, I think he had a pretty good first year. There was a lot of hype about Adam Shaheen. I think he was a second round guy. Uh, I believe last year he was hurt for almost the entire year. Came back in week 11, slowly got eased back in. Um PFF grade isn't great, but whatever. You know, when you don't play an entire year, that's what happens. So we'll see. I, I think there's two guys with potential, two talented guys in a scheme with a talented, offensive-minded head coach. Neither of them stand out as freaks, but, you know, whatever. I don't. I would say they're right in there with Kyle Rudolph, in my opinion. Might as well just sandwich Irv Smith in there. As for Detroit, they've made some pretty significant upgrades. Uh, not only did they acquire Jesse James, who is, you know, we'll see. Jesse James is maybe somewhat of a... Uh, of a Trey Burton, you know, there were some really big highlight plays that as soon as I hear Jesse James, it's like, oh man, I remember that one time, but I don't know that he's necessarily a freak. However, the big name in this entire group is going to be TJ Hawkinson. Irv Smith was a good pickup. Um, As everybody knows, I really, really, really liked before the Packers drafted him. I came out and said that I really liked Jay Sternberger a lot. Somebody suggested him when I was asking for recommendations of people to watch. Somebody said, hey, go check out Jace, and I checked him out, and I was like, he's freaking amazing. However, again, being unbiased, TJ Hawkinson stands out above everybody, and in my opinion, way above Noah Fant. I wasn't the biggest Noah Fant fan. But I think the hardest thing here is that all of this is just speculation. I mean, across the board. I, I really don't know. I mean, the, the biggest thing that I tr- I'm trying to do is if I could just have anybody I want or any group that I wanted, you know, to take the emotion out of it, just just look at the talent by itself, what would you pick? Well, Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen are decent. I don't know what their upside is, but you've got a duo that I think, you know, it's one of those things where if both of them can reach their full potential, that's a heck of a duo. That actually isn't too far off with the Vikings, but from a different dynamic because... Kyle Rudolph is older and on the downswing. Irv Smith is young and has a higher ceiling than either of the two Bears guys. So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, you you almost have to just take Rudolph out of the equation and assume he's going to be gone soon and say, okay, would you want to roll the dice with Irv Smith? The Packers situation in my mind is kind of just a mess. There is a potential, there is potential and the potential is is decent, but it's very short-term potential. It's Kyle Rudolph-ish, you know, Jimmy Graham, maybe he has a bounce back year. Mercedes Lewis, maybe he bounces back and has a good year as a blocker, but it's short-term, and then it's basically just Jay Sternberger, who I really like, but if we're going to talk potential, I don't think I take Jay Sternberger over the Bears situation. I don't know if I take him over Irv Smith, or I I shouldn't say I wouldn't take him. I think I would have taken him in terms of who I like, but if I'm just going to be honest and unbiased, Irv Smith goes way earlier because he's more talented. TJ Hawkinson, way ahead of everybody. So to be very clear on this, however... um, not one tight end in the entire NFC North, obviously this doesn't include um, any new acquisitions or whatever, 
Not one had a had a good receiving grade. Not one. Uh, Trey Burton and Kyle Rudolph and uh, Tyler Conklin is another guy. I don't know his role at this point with Kyle Rudolph and now Irv Smith, but whatever. And Jesse James all graded out as average. Jimmy Graham, Robert Tanyan, Mercedes Lewis, and Adam Shaheen all graded out as bad. That's as receivers. They're really in, and that's that's kind of a scary thing in and of itself in terms of potential. There's nobody in this group yet that has that 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 breakaway mismatch tight end. Every team has potential. Three of the four teams drafted somebody that has potential, and the Bears have two guys that you know we'll see how they can do. Especially if both of them can step up, then it becomes a serious mismatch situation. But Irv Smith, Jay Sternberger, and T.J. Hawkinson, everybody's looking for that guy, and nobody really has it yet. It's kind of a matter of, that's something to put on watch. Who's going to be the first team to really get that guy? And as far as Jace, I know people are probably thinking I'm, it's kind of ridiculous that I'm even putting him in the same category. PFF graded Jay Sternberger as the best receiving tight end in all of college football, or at least of the eligible draft people. Not very good in any other category, but as a receiver, number one. And if you don't buy it... I'm telling you, go watch his film. I loved watching him play. His ability to separate, his route running, his hands. It was just, it just felt good. It was one of those that just gives you goosebumps. I really liked it. Now, I'm being realistic because if he's as good as I feel like he was, he probably wouldn't have gone in the third round. But I do think he has the potential to be that guy, especially with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. The hard part is how do you rank him? I honestly don't know. I think Detroit probably should be number one. TJ Hawkinson very likely is going to be the best tight end of the group, of of the NFC North. Beyond that, they've already got Jesse James, who is maybe the best of the group that was already here, with the exception of Trey Burton. Trey Trey Burton's probably the top guy of last year. Jesse James probably a close second. But still, when you match Jesse James with TJ Hawkinson, especially with Jesse James being a pretty solid pass blocker, and we know TJ's a good blocker as well as receiver, that's just a solid group, man. It really, really is. After that, I just don't know. I mean, I, you could argue the Packers are the worst. I'm tempted to put the Vikings down there. Uh, ultimately, it doesn't matter because it's going to be a wait and see. I can put the Vikings wherever I want. Irv Smith comes out. He's the best tight end in the NFL, whatever. But just based on expectations, and the only reason is the support staff. So I'm, I'm granting that Irv Smith is better than Jay Sternberger. Fine. The problem is you got the supporting staff, uh, supporting cast, excuse me, Kyle Rudolph, his receiving grade was a 66, which compared to everybody else is great, but that's kind of garbage. Run blocking 53, pass blocking 59. So he can't really do any of those two things very well. When I look at Jay Sternberger and the fact that Jimmy Graham is there, and I know he had a bad year last year, but again, I do expect a slight bounce back. Not anything elite. I don't expect old school Jimmy, but kind of closer to what he was in 2017 with Seattle. On top of that, Mercedes Lewis gets his old offensive coordinator back from Jacksonville. He was a very, very good blocker. I think Mike McCarthy utilized him very poorly, kind of utilized all of them poorly. You got Mercedes Lewis sitting on the bench. You got Jimmy Graham blocking. It's like, I don't know what's going on. Lance Kendricks is <laughs> running routes. He's apparently tight end one. I don't know. Just the potential for, I mean, if, if any one of these guys kind of steps up a little bit, it's going to be probably better. But I, I, I guess we can just put them on equal footing. Kyle Rudolph is probably better than than... He was better last year than Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. And Irv Smith is, you know, we'll, we'll say better than Jay. So, you know what, fine. I'll put the Vikings ahead of the Packers. I don't care. I guess the question is, where do the Bears fit in this? 
So right now it's Lions, Vikings, Packers. Where do the Bears fall? Uh, I might put the Bears second. No, I'm going to put them third. I'm going to roll the dice with Irv Smith. I know it, I, I did some brief looking around with Adam Shaheen, and the tone that I'm getting is this is his last chance. I don't know if that's the case. I'm not tuned in to everything Chicago Bears, but the feeling I get is Adam Shaheen is kind of on thin ice, which is kind of silly. I mean, he had a good year in his rookie year. He got hurt his second year. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to roll the dice with, with, uh, with Irv Smith. Give me the young guy. Give me the potential, the upside. It's a riskier play. If you want to be safe, you go with the Chicago Bears. But I'm going to say the Lions are on the top tier. I'm going to say the... I don't know. That, that, I'll, I'll just say they're by themselves, and then it's uh, Bears, Lions, and then Packers, but they're all second tier. Yes, I could put them on there by themselves in the bottom tier, but again, I, I do like the potential of that group. I like Jace as a receiver. I like Jace especially with the tutelage of the older veteran guys. I like Jimmy Graham having a bounce back. I like Mercedes as a blocker. I'm putting them last, but I'm not putting them on a tier by themselves. And again, none of this is very definitive in my mind. Quarterbacks is, is pretty definitive. This is, is wide open, especially since a lot of this is, is all based on rookies. It's all a big question of where is Jace and Hawkinson and Irv Smith going to land. And even for the Bears who got the same guys, it's a question of what are they going to do? Trey Burton seemed to be getting better every single year. He kind of, you know, climaxed in 2017. He comes over to the Bears kind of hoping that he was going to continue that ascent. And I think he took a slight step back. And again, for the 17th time, Shaheen showed promise, got hurt. We'll see what happens. So I don't know. I'm, 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 that's the order I'm going to put it in. I don't feel good about it, but I don't know how to make it better. I wouldn't mind anybody else doing it because, again, at the end of the day, it's about what are these guys are going to show up and do. And I'm excited to see what the Packers are going to show up and do, and I'm confident in it. I'm just trying to remove myself from that situation and say if I was an investor and I had to put money in a group, where am I putting it? I'm going to go with the Lions, and it's kind of by a lot. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Look forward to hearing your thoughts on that situation. Let me know how you would rank people and whatnot. Otherwise, enjoy your Saturday. I'll be with you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.